0: So we are beginning a new series of sermons today called Masterpiece. It is an exploration of really how we are created in God's image to reflect who He is. And this is a subject that appears in the very first chapter of the Bible and as you will see as the series progresses, uh, will take us all the way to Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ways in which uh, that, uh, his life, death, and resurrection and ascension were all part of fulfilling this call to reflect the image of God as humans and how we in him can better reflect who God is to the world. And we will take uh, the series all the way to the last chapter of the Bible sometime in April and, and tie it up there. And I think you'll, you'll see this is one of those major themes that runs throughout Scripture. I, I have a rather uh, hefty diet of Scripture for you this morning. But as, as we read this, as we read through these passages, I want you to look for something with me. I want you to see in Genesis chapter one, well, let me ask you this question. If, if a queen is on her throne and she says, bring me some water, what happens next? She gets water or somebody has a bad day. Uh, they're thrown to the pit of misery, yes. Yeah, thank you, Carl. <laughs> um, it's a bad television commercial if you have no idea what I'm referring to. Um, so, I want you to see God in Genesis chapter 1, and we're just going to pick up on the very last day of creation, part of the last day of creation, but I want you to see God as speaking, and whatever he says then happens. That, that is a picture of divine authority, of kingship, of rule. And I, so I want you to see him in that way, and I want you to see him bringing light out of darkness and life out of nothingness, which is equivalent, as you'll see, we will to death, which we will see mentioned in a later passage in Colossians. When we get to the Colossians passage, I want you to see Jesus through that same lens as him exercising his authority as king, um, and him bringing life out of death and light into darkness. Does that make sense? And I, th- I hope you'll see that parallel. That's that's what I'm sort of aiming for. So we're going to begin uh, close to where the Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1, and then I will read a couple of other passages that I hope you will find relevant, and then I'll conclude in the second chapter of Colossians just verses 13 through 15. So beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then continuing on the theme of the image of God, I'm gonna just read one of the 10 commandments. It's the second commandment. And it's from Exodus chapter 20. I'm gonna read verses four through six. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And then another passage on our image-bearing, our call to bear the image of God and and his son Christ from Romans 8.29 For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And then from Colossians chapter 2, where I hope you will see some parallel ideas of Jesus exercising authority, bringing light out of darkness and life from death. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 13. And you Why does every young boy or girl dream of being the king or the queen? Power? Gold? Wealth? And, well, Michael... What did Mel Brooks tell us about being the king? You already said it. It's good to be the king, right? Another terrible movie, but, you know, in all the good ways. Um, It's good to be the king, to have the authority, to have the wealth, to have command of your surroundings and those who fill it. It would be great, we think. What's the other thing we know about giving human beings power and authority? It corrupts. There is no one who can handle it. Not one. So, there's this interesting phenomenon in Genesis chapter 1 that's that's repeated throughout the, the, the development of this theme of the image of God in Scripture. It depicts God as king of the universe, in this case, of all of created order, and he speaks and his will comes about, just like if if someone were king or queen on their throne and they spoke, their will would be brought about if it was humanly possible. And then, strangely, God turns at the end of this exhibition of his authority and says, I am giving each one of you that authority. The authority to be like me. In the sense that you are called to be creative, to exercise God's power on behalf of what is right and good in this world. Each of us has a calling in this. We were created in the image of God to reflect something to the world about who God is. And part of bearing that image is that authority that he gives to his creation to act, to move, to be redemptive in the way we live. And you see this you see this develop all around you, right? You can see it in a corporate hierarchy. You can see it in a family. You can see it in friendships. You can see it just about anywhere. And man is given this incredible capacity to apply him or herself and bring about good. Probably the best metaphor... that is is one that comes up in the next chapter of the Bible after Genesis chapter 1, but it's a garden. Uh, I had a friend when I lived in St. Louis. St. Louis has a large German population, and his parents were first, were immigrants from Germany after World War II uh, to St. Louis, and his dad's backyard was literally one of the most amazing places I've ever seen. And he would come home from work, and he would spend one or two hours in his backyard, and he would literally, it was a little bit like, dude, seriously? But he would get down and clip pieces of grass with scissors just to make the edge correct. And he, he would mow his grass like anybody else, but then he'd come back, and so every plant was in, was placed in, with intentionality and it complemented the ones next to it and it was just it was an incredible peace-giving place but only because he had taken his god-given capacities and applied them to bring about the best he possibly could out of that space and that's really the the idea that we should all take into our lives, our families, our our jobs, our schools, wherever we happen to be, to apply ourselves to bring about the best possible results that we can because that is a reflection of the nature of God. It reflects who He is to people around us. And so as we begin to look at this idea of bearing the image of God as masterpieces created by Him to then replicate little masterpieces around us. The first idea I want us to explore is the call to reflect God's nature. Like I asked the kids, what do you know about God? Well, He's all-knowing. Are you all-knowing? You are, Dolores? My mother-in-law says she's all-knowing. I think she might be right. <laughs> yes, some people think they're all-knowing. Um, yes, no one likes to know it all. Yeah. But there's this aspect of God that he's, that, that there are aspects of God's nature that we do not share. We're not without sin, We're not all-knowing, we're not omnipresent, although my wife tries to be more than one place at one time, but it doesn't work out all the time. Um, But then there is a long, beautiful list of attributes that we do share with God. That He is loving, that He is forgiving, that He is intelligent and caring and thoughtful, that He remembers what matters, that He is compassionate and kind. And so all of these aspects of the divine nature have been vested into us as his masterpieces to be able to show others what God is like. That's kind of why we're here, to bear his image into the world. It brings God glory when we reflect who he is to the people around us. How do I want to say this? I don't always do this well. My wife is in with the kids today, I think, so uh, she's not here to scream amen. Um, But this is our calling. Thank you. Cheryl's stepping in on behalf of her sister, uh, her soul sister. Um, This is what we are called to do to reflect the nature of God through the way we live so that others can see better who God is and how he, he relates to them. So we, to reflect God's nature, are to express our creativity. You are creative, even if you don't think you're creative, you are creative. God, when He when He created, He wasn't just throwing paint all over the canvas of the universe. It was very ordered. It was very purposeful. If you've ever looked at DNA, the double helix, that that molecule thing, and how it works, and how the code embedded in those little squirrely stairwells determines incredible amounts of information, and how life unfolds. So if you're highly administrative and you think of yourself as boring, you're actually reflecting one of the very important aspects of creation, of creativity, order. God steps into the darkness, the void, as it is called in Genesis chapter 1, and he brings about light and life, and all of it is ordered and beautiful and wonderful. And so all that we do that is reflective of his nature is an aspect of our creativity. We are to be people who bring order out of chaos. I can promise you I'm much better at bringing chaos out of order. It's kind of what I do. Um, But our calling is to bring order out of the chaos around us, to step into the voids, that appear around us in life, and to make a difference, to appear, to enter, to show up, and to reflect who God is. There is a very powerful and important aspect to our creativity, and it's something that you see in verse 27, that all human beings are created in the image of God. We as creative people must also be exercise our creativity in such a way that we bring out and protect the dignity of all people. This idea that we are created in the image of God is one of the reasons that our men and women in uniform come home with PTSD because they're asked in their service to our country at times to carry out actions that end up resulting in the death of other human beings. No one can do that without some effect on their own heart. And we all know this intuitively, that that light of life that exists in every human being is the spark of God that every human bears his image in some way. And yet there are times when either through accidents or justifiable intentional actions, lives are taken. And it has an impact. Because this is true. It is eternally true that we are all created in the image of God. It is our job as fellow human beings to protect that dignity in everyone we see it in. And yes, there will be times when reality and necessity uh, dictate that we cut against that grain. That's not immoral. It's necessary at times. And those will create internal conflicts that are hard to reconcile but at the end of the day, they are all reconciled in Christ. We will talk about that a little bit later. But extremely important that we just stop here and and listen to those words that male and female, he created them in his image. So there is no class of person that is better than any other. There's no a uh, hierarchy of value in the human condition. We are all equal. We are all um, of the same worth in the eyes of God. And the ways that we apply our image-bearing gifts to the world around us should reflect that and bring forth the dignity of all people. All right. So there's this call to creativity, and there's a call to exercise God's authority. Did you see? Those are strong words. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay, so we're supposed to have kids, right? Okay, maybe. Um, It's not the only way we do that, by the way. But then it says, subdue it. Subdue the earth. I would say that mankind has excelled at that probably to our own detriment, certainly to our own detriment, um, the subduing of the earth could be better put this way or better understood this way. We are called to harness all of God's creative efforts to bring about good. When we harness God's creative efforts to, to facilitate our greed, bad and messy things happen and the planet is damaged and mankind is underserved yet we can do that we can subdue the earth in the bad ways or we can subdue it in the right ways and we should actually be building cities and neighborhoods and schools and and growing god's kingdom and developing technology and science and understanding all of his created order. Those are all good things. We just see bad examples of people getting carried away from time to time. So this call to exercise God's authority means we are to be fruitful and productive, to harness his resources, to expand his glory not our own interests. We are to exercise His authority and to work towards what is good and right and true. This is why God vests His people with His authority. He makes each one of you little kings and queens over however minuscule our domains may be, He gives you authority to reflect who he is to the people around you. And he gives you grace when we don't do that well. Okay. We are created in the image of God, which means we are here to reflect the nature of God to the people around us. And we're here to reflect Christ's actions on the world around us to grow, to be more like Christ. This idea is pretty simple, that if you follow Jesus, then what is true of Jesus will progressively become more true of you. He is renewing you as an image of Him, and He is, in fact, the ultimate expression of the image of God. So what did he do that is reflective of what we are told to do in Genesis chapter 1? Uh, He multiplied himself. He took himself, uh, he never had kids, but he engaged the people around him and developed a following. He replicated his nature and attributes in the people around him. That's what true multiplication is he multiplied himself in his followers and let me let me ask you this question this is something that i don't think we do well in the american church who are you mentoring who in your world are you bringing along are you investing yourself in and Making into that person into a better person, Um, Polly. This is a little bit unfair, but one of the most amazing examples I've ever heard of a man replicating himself and another man was at your husband's funeral. I, I've just—it was so powerful and so beautiful, and what a legacy. of a a man who was willing to invest himself to bring out the best in someone else, in a younger man. And um, we all should be looking around us at the people that God wants us to invest ourselves in, to be uh, nurturing of their faith, to develop in them these attributes of God that we are in fact trying to develop within ourselves. Jesus multiplied himself and his followers and in his church that is in the the spreading of his good news that's still going on believe it or not. This simple action of extending the good news of saving faith through Jesus Christ it hasn't stopped. And so these are the aspects of multiplication that he exhibited to us and that he calls us to replicate. He multiplied himself and he sacrificed himself. couple of questions. Why would Jesus sacrifice himself for us? If you know you like I know me, It's a good question. Seems like he could have picked a better person. So I I had us read when we were reading through those scriptures one of the Ten Commandments. Do you remember it? Exodus chapter 20. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Why does God not want his people going around trying to make images of God? Because he's already done that. Look around you, his image is everywhere. He has already created images of himself to reflect his nature and his love to the world. And Jesus recognized that, that you were created in the image of God, that you were worthy of dignity because of who created you, the image that you bear. And so he poured out his love upon you, not because of anything you'd done, but because of his heart, his love, God's will. And so you are created in the image of God and you are redeemed because God loves you and cherishes that image bearing aspect of who you are. So he sacrificed himself to bring out of death into life, to bring out of darkness into light, those whom he loved. The actions of God at creation are actually reflected in the work of Christ perfectly. He steps into chaos and darkness and void and brings about life and light and hope. We are called to follow him in this, to be those who replicate that action of stepping into darkness and bringing about light, of facing tragedy and confusion and chaos, bringing about life and good and what is true and holy and right. And so as we move through this series, I invite you to reflect throughout the week on yourself as a masterpiece of God's artsmanship and to look at yourself as one who reflects who God is to the people around you and to bring glory to your creator through the way you reflect his nature and to enjoy it along the way. Will you pray with me? God, our father, we thank you for your creative work. We marvel at the glory that you exhibited in creation. And then to cap it off with the creation of man and woman and to say it is very good. Indeed, we are created in your image and we are to reflect who you are through the way we live. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Ground us in the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate reflection of your nature as a human being. And draw us closer to your heart that we might faithfully represent who you are to those around us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.